Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. I am your host with the most, Chris. A lot has happened in the sports world, a lot to get into. I know just this past weekend, the NFL Combine has been completed. That's right, so all the top prospects in the NCAA have just completed the NFL Combine. We will get to that uh, later in the episode. There's a lot of talk Dallas Cowboys-wise and a lot of NFL offseason drama, news, all kinds of things. So let's get into the episode. So first off, kind of a topic that kind of took the you know Twitter world by storm, the NBA, the sports world, and it's what's going on with John Morant. So for those of you that don't know, John Morant is an NBA player. He's probably one of the most electric players in the league right now, and he's absolutely phenomenal if you've ever seen him play or if you've ever seen him, you know, what he does. He's you know, fantastic. One, pro- definitely one of the top players in the league right now, young wise, and you know just what he can do, uh, driving the basketball. You know the crazy dunks. How he like he's just athletic. He's a perfect, you know, kind of that perfect embodiment of a very aggressive point guard. So, you know, but why am I giving him praise and why are we talk about John Morant? Well, there has been an investigation going on with John Morant, and for those of you who don't know, before I get into the story, he was suspended. He's, I think he was suspended for a couple games, and now he's suspended indefinitely uh, by the Memphis Grizzlies and the NBA uh, leading because of this investigation. So there has been a lot of things going on with John Morant. So some of the things was he showed a gun on his Instagram Live at like 5-something in the morning, and that was already a red flag because, you know, he has a concealed... He's showing off a concealed weapon, you know, out on his Instagram... And that's not something you should ever do if you are a public figure like he is, especially if you're very, very noticeable, you know, and you can definitely be like, you can tell that's your Instagram and that's you doing it and you're willingly posting stuff like that. That's a giant problem. Now, I think it would have been different if if, if it was like one of his friends that did it or someone was there and saw him, you know, with the gun in his hand. I think it'd be something different because it's like, okay, they kind of recorded him doing that without his permission. And I think that's a whole another case of worms to open. But no, he willingly posted that on Instagram, which is a big no-no in the NBA and just in professional leagues in general. And I believe that he was like, he, it was like an away game. It wasn't even in Memphis. He was out somewhere. So that would mean that he brought the concealed weapon, you know, on the bus or in the plane or wherever they went. Which is definitely a giant uh, violation. I know in the NFL, that's like one of their biggest rules when you do travel. Is you cannot bring any kind of concealed firearm or some sort of weapon onto the plane or into the buses when you are traveling. And I'm sure it's the same thing with the NBA just because of safety reasons. And John Morant did that and posted it all over the internet. So that was already a giant thing. The next one that was going on was that he threatened a 17 year old. I believe he stays, um, the 17-year-old is accusing him of beating him up. It was an accusation. And that he came with a gun and, you know, pointed it at his head. The 17-year-old was at Jaws' house, you know, playing pickup basketball. And I'm just thinking, why is he doing that to a 17-year-old, you know? I get you're like, if you're mentoring him or, you know, trying to get him, you know, trying to up his level in basketball play, I mean, I'm all for it. But don't do that. Like, I don't understand, like, where he's at mentally thinking this. And I know... Uh, hearing some reporters and people talk about it, you know, Jaw, like, you know, he kind of tries to affiliate himself, you know, still trying to be, you know, where he grew up and all that. And to me, it's just, you know, you're a public figure. You are worth $100 million. You have a signature shoe with Nike. You have an endorsement deal with Powerade. 
why are you setting yourself up like this? Like, why are you deliberately trying to screw this up for yourself? You know, I can understand if it's like, you know, maybe it's friend group or people around him that are doing that. But if you're doing it yourself, that is a giant problem. Like, that is something you need to mentally understand that you cannot do that. You have to be better. You have to have at least that good reputation, you know, to keep up with. Especially if you are an NBA player and you can possibly be the face of the NBA. Which is what I thought was even crazier when the story came out about all this. And, you know, everything that's going on with Jaw is that he's one of the top notable not- noticeable faces in the NBA. And this and he is doing these kinds of antics. And it's just getting more and more out of hand the more the, the more the reports coming in. I know there was another one that um they played the Indianapolis Pacers and one of his friends got kicked out of the arena. So what happened next was just you know, I thought it was out of a movie because the Indianapolis Pacers players were going into the bus, you know, the traveling bus and the loading dock, getting ready to go, and a black car pulled around with I believe people were saying John Morant was in the vehicle and there was lasers come pointing out of the vehicle and aimed at some of the players and the security and the head of security for the Indiana, uh, uh, Indiana, uh, the Pacers, I apologize. The Pacers were saying, no, that's a gun. That's a, that's an attachment for a gun. And that's a big safety thing. And if anyone knows anything about Adam Silver, he does not play around with safety and, you know, doing dumb antics like that. So, I, I just don't get why he's doing this. I really, really don't. And I wish I can understand, like, why. You know, like, why does he have to feel he has to do these kinds of things? I don't know if it's because he's the people he's affiliated with. You know, like, maybe, like, those are some of the people, like, you know, where he grew up. And, you know, they went down a certain road. And he, you know, he made it he made it big. And they're still his friends. And he's still trying to impress them. But I would just have to say, Jaw, like, you don't need to impress anybody. You're worth $100 million. You have a Nike shoe. You have a Powerade endorsement which is huge and i think that what comes what it comes down to is that the more you grow you know the more your name gets out there and you're more noticeable you kind of have to learn to like tell these you know either put up a barrier with certain people and say hey these are your decisions you can make which is you know you you do what you want to do with your life but i'm not going to do that because of x y and z because i am a very notable player i'm a franchise player in the nba I could possibly be the face of the NBA and I have all these good things coming on like, hey, I'm sorry, but please don't do that or, you know, don't pull and don't do anything that can ruin my reputation or I'm not going to put myself in a position to ruin my reputation. So if I can real quick, I'm going to get a little personal on the podcast on this one. Nothing too crazy, but kind of just not something, I guess something a little similar. So obviously... You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, you can clearly see it if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening. I am very young. I'm a, you know, I'm not, I'm not up there in age. I'm, you know, still definitely on the younger side. And obviously, you know, things that, you know, you make friends with certain people that like to do, you know, certain activities like go out, you know, go out to bars and clubs and stuff like that, drink, whatever, whatever it may be. And the big thing with me and what happened was that, so... I work uh, for a media company here in town, and that's what I do as a job. And whenever I got the job, I knew that my face was going to be on camera, and I knew that, you know, people were going to notice who I was. So I couldn't really afford to just, you know, go out as much and be reckless and wild and all these different things. It was something that I couldn't do anymore. 
not not necessarily anymore, but I had to be careful with, you know, either one, who I affiliate myself with, or two, the choices I make. Because it can reflect bad on me, and it can reflect bad on the company. And one of the big things with that, you know, was, you know, I had to put up a barrier with some people. You know, some of those people that love to go out and be a little reckless, you know, have a little too much fun, you know, in my opinion, and go from there. And... Obviously, I'm not, I don't tell people how to live their lives. If you want to go out, you know, have fun, you know, do whatever you want. I mean, all power to you. And the big thing with me is that it's not my life. Why would I tell you what to do with your life if you're not going to tell me how to live mine? Understandable. But with me having a reputation, and this is how I knew it was growing. So the company I work for has certain sponsors that, you know, help uh, generate revenue for the company, whatever. You know, you guys know how sponsorships and uh, partnerships work, you know, trades and goods. And a lot of them recognize who I am. A lot of them know me by my name. Some of them I know kind of personally. I know uh, the one guy from Italy sponsor, the sponsor for today's video, by the way. He, me and him are, you know, we're pretty good colleagues. We talk to each other. Um, I've done events for, you know, one guy for the company. I've covered, you know, other events he's hosted. You know, I've done cool videos with him. And, you know, I built that relationship. You know, and it's not just the sponsor. It's been other people in the community, too, that know who I am because they see me. And it got to the point where people at my college are, you know, recognize me. I believe one time it was homecoming uh, here at my college. And I was, by the way, I'm a proud Red Raider, uh, Texas Tech, guns up, wreck them. I was at uh, the parade for homecoming. And one of the people that runs one of the big pages for the university and the institution recognized who I am. Because I, I post, my, you know, I'm on camera a lot. I'm on, you know, I'm on social media. You see my face and you know who I am, or at least you have an idea of, you know, you've heard of me. And that was, and that's the big thing is that I did not want to put myself in a position with either people I affiliate myself with or choices or choices that are not very smart that I made. Because at the end of the day, you're the one making the choices unless you are, you know, you are about to die. That's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different case of words. But if you are consciously making those choices, you have to live with those consequences. And I know that because I, not because of anything I ever did to hurt the company. But, you know, as you know, my name kind of got bigger in the community and kind of more of, uh, you know, I was growing people, you know, people were recognizing my face. They were putting names, a lot of like new clients that we uh, brought in for the company. They were like, oh, yeah, you're Chris. I see you on the stories. I've seen you on the videos. I've seen you do these things, you know, I see the posts you make. And that kind of is what I, you know, what I'm getting at with the story here is that, you know, those kinds of things add up. And if I some, you know, one day do something really reckless or dumb and I, you know, get in trouble with the law or I get kicked out of school, anything like that can reflect bad not only on myself, but it would look bad in to the company as well because they hired me. And that's kind of like where I'm getting at here, especially that since John Morant is such a giant public figure, like everyone knows who John Morant is, you know, you kind of have to hold yourself to a higher standard, you know, compared to maybe some others that don't have a lot to lose. And that's definitely something John Morant should hopefully take into consideration uh, going forward, especially after the suspension. Maybe this is what he needed, you know, to get suspended and, you know, kind of figure out his life and go from there. 
But like I said, I was kind of tying it to like how my personal life went. You know, once you start getting more recognized in the community, you got to keep your reputation good. You don't want to be, you know, you want to be known for mostly positive things, you know, or overall positive. You don't want to be known as, you know, the NBA player who was flashing a weapon on social media. Or, you know, if I did that, um, you know, being linked to a, a company that's well known in the community, you don't want that. And I personally wouldn't want that for myself either. So that's kind of where I'm getting at with this connection is that there's sometimes, you know, in life or with people, you have to either put a barrier or you have to, you know, be, you know, you have to put yourself at a higher standard than others because you, you at the end of the day have a lot to lose. And that's what John Morant has right now being suspended. And I believe that one, not, I don't think this is confirmed, but one of the reports was, you know, what he did with the Instagram live thing was like 50 games and that's it. Like, he's suspended for 50 games, and the Grizzlies have a good chance to make the playoffs. So, that's kind of what I'm getting at, is that he's not only hurting himself, but he's hurting the team because of these choices that he's making. And if John Morant keeps us up, obviously he's going to be kicked out of the league. And it's going to be so sad because he's a great talent. Everyone knows who John Morant is. He has a signature shoe in Nike. As I said earlier, power rate endorsements. He could be the face of the of the whole NBA. He's already the face of the Grizzlies franchise. But he's making these mistakes, and that could essentially get him out of the league. And that's something you never want because of a dumb choice you made, you know, because, you know, you were what doing whatever, and you made a bad choice, and that ultimately affected you going forward, whether it be getting fired from a good job, whether it being kicked out of the NBA, or, you know, possibly not getting hired by some by someone else because of a dumb decision you made. So that's what I kind of mean for John Morant and what's going on with him is that hopefully after his suspension and they complete their investigation or whatever they're trying to accomplish uh, over there in the NBA, he kind of learns that he needs to understand that he hold he has to hold himself to a higher standard compared to maybe some of the people he's affiliated with because at the end of the day, Who's going to lose more? The person that not many people really know about or John Morant, the NBA player, and probably one of the top young players in the league right now. It's kind of apples to oranges. John Morant could lose everything, especially if he's already on, you know, on thin ice with the NBA right now. And I mean, I think I believe Nike released his shoe already or they're working on it. And you don't want to lose that, especially with a corporate partner like Nike, because Nike will take it away immediately. They are not scared to pull the rug. They, they they are not, and they make sure that, you know, the people they sign, the Nike athletes that they sign, are going to be legitimate, and they're not going to cause any problems. So, to kind of wrap up John Morant and my, you know, kind of my opinion with it, hopefully he can learn from this. You know, I understand he is a young player, and just learn from this and understand that you're, you know, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard, and that's the only way you're going to move forward. I believe he already put out a public apology about his actions and that he's going to be taking time to kind of mentally think about what he's been doing, which is a good start. It really is. Just hopefully he comes back a better person. All right. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a real quick pause from the podcast to introduce our first sponsor, One Guy from Italy on University. One Guy from Italy on University is a local Lubbock restaurant located right next to Texas Tech University. They have some of the best food in town. I know personally I go order. The house calzone is my favorite. And also, they have been voted to have the best calzones in Texas. So if you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, make sure you guys stop by One Guy from Italy on University. And thank you guys for being our first sponsor of the podcast. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, next topic. 
So, the NFL Combine has been completed this past weekend. There was a lot of uh, great prospects going in. Um, Noah, uh, Nolan Smith ran, the I think, one of the fastest 40s for a defensive lineman. Will Anderson had a great one. The wide receivers, Darnell Washington, uh, performed great. But I'm going to talk about the quarterbacks because I know that was the biggest headliner going in to the NFL Combine, which we have figured out. We figured it out. The biggest question of them all and the NFL Combine. And it was that Bryce Young, official height, is 5'10". Now, why does that really matter? I don't really know. He has a Heisman. He did really well at Alabama. I, I don't see what the big issue with this whole height thing was. And if it's that big of a scare, CJ Stroud is also there. Kind of my opinion, but let's keep going on with this. So, the two quarterbacks that I have highlighted, CJ Stroud did phenomenal in the combine he looked great i believe he was like one of the last throwers to go this past weekend you know everyone did you know did an essential exceptional job so the two quarterbacks that i have highlighted right here is will levis and anthony richardson the two other prospect quarterbacks going into the draft they're three and four but my thing is that a lot of people on their draft boards or at least the draft the uh, draft people have them very high some of them have will levis going number one over bryce young and cj or they have anthony richardson going number one over cj and bryce young you know and i don't agree with it i, I just don't i don't I, I have a i have a problem with this i i really do so i'm gonna start with anthony richardson and what my problem is with anthony richardson overall and i've told people this i think anthony richardson is a phenomenal athlete he really is from the 40, I believe he ran one of the fastest 40s or the fastest 40 for a quarterback. It was like a 4-4-4, uh, four, 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 something like that, um, or 4-4-6, four, four, one of the two. But uh, he ran a phenomenal 40-yard dash, and he had a great vertical. I believe he broke the record for QBs in the vertical. You know, he looked good in the throws. But here's the thing. Just because you can throw with nobody around you and you can just lay it up and, you know, sling it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to transfer over to the nfl and we've seen that with other top prospects before we've seen draft busts we've seen you know the downfalls of some quarterbacks right now we're seeing it with zach wilson johnny manzel is another one that comes to mind still hurts a little bit that he didn't work out but uh either way you know we've seen quarterbacks jamarcus russell's another good example he was a top prospect with a big arm and he was mobile didn't work out now i'm not saying that these quarterbacks will be like them but I think that they're going to get there. So I'm going to give my reasons why with Anthony Richardson. After, you know, impressive numbers in the vertical, the broad, and uh, the 40, here's my issue. In college this last season, he only had two games where he threw over 400 yards. Everything else has been two, 200 or less. His completion percentage was only 53%. In the NCAA, which is not good for a quarterback. You are barely completing over half of your passes. That is not good. It, it just isn't. Especially if you were going to be a top quarterback prospect, you got to do better than that. You really do. Like, in my opinion, you have to be able to pass the ball because you can't always rely on your speed. It's, it's great to have. We've seen Lamar Jackson work out, but Lamar Jackson can also throw the ball. And we saw that in his MVP season. And Going forward with that, you can't always, you know, expect to run the ball a lot because that's how you ex that's how you essentially get hurt in the league. Now, I get he's like above six foot. He's about 240. He can move. That's great. I said, like I said, fantastic athlete. But throwing, you know, he, at the end of the day, he's going to have to throw the ball. 
And I think that this is going to be too much of a gamble here. And, uh-oh, sorry. And he only threw 17 touchdowns through the air, which is another big explanation point because Max Duggan, who is a lot lower in everyone's drafting draft boards, threw 32 touchdowns. Stenson Bennett, who won the national title two years in a row, had more than Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson wasn't even the Heisman talk at the end of the year. Neither was Will Levis. Neither of those two quarterbacks were even close to the Heisman race. You know, compared to Bryce, CJ, Max, Caleb, none of them were close. And they are top prospects. Probably Caleb's going to go number one next year. But CJ Stroud and Bryce Young should be over those two by a mile. CJ was a finalist two years in a row for the Heisman. Bryce Young won a Heisman. So this notion of Anthony Richardson should go over, should be picked above Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud is absolutely absurd. It absolutely is. Now I'm gonna move on to Will Levis. The biggest thing with Will Levis that I've heard these draft, you know, these draft, uh, mock draft professional statistics people, whoever they are, Mel Kiper says that he has an arm like Josh Allen, or he's kind of like how Josh Allen is. And I don't think so because in Wyoming, Josh Allen stood out. The only thing that really stands out with me with Will Levis is yeah, he can throw. But still, he didn't do good. When he went up against top competition in in Kentucky last year, he barely won any games. He did. Now, I will give him credit. I believe he was the closest one to beat Georgia. It was like 16-6. to six, But still, he didn't play that great this past season. He completed 65% of his passes, which is good. It's a lot better than uh, Anthony Richardson completed. But he only had a couple of games where he was over 300 yards. I believe it was like two or three. And that's still not good. So either way, with these numbers, and also another thing, he only threw 19 touchdowns through the air. Now, I believe some of the people were saying that he didn't have that top wide receiver. Well, you know who else didn't have a top wide receiver but still put up great numbers in college? He still made it work? It was Patrick Mahomes. He didn't even get a Heisman spot when he finished, but he led the NCAA in passing yards and touchdowns, and I believe that, and I believe he still holds the record for the most yards in a game. And he didn't work with that many good wide receivers. He didn't have like a top tier number one or like a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson like Joe Burrow did. But my point I'm getting at here is that it's just from the games I saw Will Levis play this past year, it's just I don't see that transferring over to the NFL successfully. As I said, he has a he has a cannon for an arm. He can throw it. But he, but he, there's other aspects as well. It's kind of the same thing with Anthony Richardson. He is an athlete. He's got speed. He looked like he can throw. But you got to do more than just run the ball. You got to be able to apply all these different things into the NFL. I know Lamar Jackson made it work. But also Lamar Jackson's gotten hurt. And I think that's something to keep in mind is that he was injured, you know, running the ball as much as he did. He ended up getting hurt. Another good example is Cam Newton. You know, he was, you know, he was phenomenal. His beginning of his career and then up to the MVP season he had after that he was injury prone he wasn't that great I know New England Patriots fans can testify to this he was not great in New England he went back to Carolina had I don't know what kind of season that was but now he's not even on a team anymore and that's what I'm getting at with Anthony Richardson but with Will Levis it's just that some things I see with him like maybe it can work but I don't see him being a starting quarterback I don't see him you know, being the franchise guy, I think he's more of a maybe a, pro, like a project quarterback. 
maybe give him a couple of years to learn, like learn under a veteran, then I think maybe. But other than that, I, nothing screams off off the TV when I see Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Actually, no, scratch that. Anthony Richardson did, did pop off the screen because he pulled off some phenomenal plays with for the Florida Gators. But when you look at his stats, it's like, it how is like to me when I saw his stats in college this past season, I was wondering why is this guy very high in the draft? Why does why is everybody praising this quarterback so much if he can barely knock over barely t- like maybe close to three hundred yards? But even then, there were some games he only threw like about a hundred. I believe one game he threw like ninety eight, and he had like okay rushing yard uh, rushing games every now and then. Some games he had phenomenal rushing uh, rushing yards. Don't get me wrong, but in the NFL, if you try to rush so many times, you're gonna get hurt. And we've seen that with a lot of mobile quarterbacks, you know, throughout history that you do run that risk of potentially getting more injured. So that's just kind of my thing uh, after the combine. I know the quarterbacks were kind of the biggest emphasis going into the combine this past weekend, but that's just going to be, that's just my take with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. I think that they, they may work out if they get a couple years to learn behind someone. And I believe if you put them in the fire in the beginning, I don't think they're going to work out so well. I think they're going to take a lot of time if you try to start them day one. So we'll just have to see what the draft looks like. I know for sure Bryce Young and CJ are going one and two. Like I don't, I don't believe any organization should even think about getting those two quarterbacks over. Or I'm sorry, no one should think about getting Anthony Richardson or Will Levis over Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Um, CJ, who like I said earlier, was a, fi- a Heisman finalist. Uh, twice Bryce Young won a Heisman CJ Stroud almost beat Georgia in the playoffs in the college football playoffs if they would have made the kick and if Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't get hurt they possibly could have beat Georgia and Stenson Bennett and send them packing and we would have saw CJ and Max go at it and that would have been a whole nother story but to wrap it up don't I think that these guys I mean if you want to go with them yes but I think there's a little bit of better prospects, at least looking at the games they played and looking at the stats that they put up this year. I think there might be some better options uh, going in. So next up now, as some of you may see in the video and uh, either on right now or on YouTube, or if you guys are listening on Spotify or Amazon Music, I am wearing my Dallas Cowboys shirt. Dallas Cowboys fan, die hard. We got some Cowboy news. So let's get into it. So the first one is kind of more of a problem than I had with anything. Mike McCarthy comments on Kellen Moore saying that we uh, he likes to light up the scoreboard, but we need to run the ball. <laughs> my problem with this, my big problem with this, is that we ran the ball a lot. I don't know where the notion came from we weren't running the ball. We were ranked sixth in rushing attempts. And out of the five other, out of the five, the top six rushing attempt, the uh, high rushing attempt teams, we were the only one to make the playoffs. And kind of with the running game, we were able to open up a lot for the receiving game because a lot of defenses had to respect Tony Pollard, who ran for over a thousand yards this season. Ezekiel Elliott was able to punch it in at the goal line or get you those third and ones, the 32s, third and inches, whatever. Uh, Dak Prescott was able to run the zone read or the QB sneak to get into the end zone or to get a first down. So teams already respected us running the ball. And to be fair, the rushing attempts that we had in the running game we, we, you know, we had this past season was opening up a lot of stuff for the passing game. It's not 
Kellen Moore's fault that they were figuring it out and they were stopping the run some of the games or Ezekiel Elliott wasn't having good games. And here's another thing. Ezekiel Elliott got a lot more touches than Pollard did. Zeke had 248 and Pollard only had 232 this this whole season. But Pollard had a better, you know, he had a all he had an all-pro season. He got selected to the Pro Bowl. Ezekiel Elliott didn't. So, it's not that we're not running the ball. It was that, you know, other factors were coming in. Like for example, we well, another big thing I thought was the bigger problem was Dak Prescott's interceptions when he came back and somehow still led the league in interceptions when he was gone for seven games. I think that was a bigger problem in this in this past season than anything else because you take away the tur- at least cut the turnovers at least maybe if you threw like let's see he missed seven games averages twelve let's say let's say ten let's let's minus seven of the interceptions. We probably would have not lost to the 49ers. We would have played the Eagles in the NFC Championship. We probably would have won a lot more games, cutting out a lot of the turnover situation. I think that was the bigger problem in the offense. It wasn't really, oh, we need to run the ball to give the defense a break. I understand that. But we were ranked sixth in rushing attempts. So it wasn't like we were not running the ball. It wasn't like we were, you know, just heavy throw and heavy passing like Kansas City is. Because that's not true. Because that was our bread and butter, and that's exactly how we won some games, or that's how we set up the offense, is running the ball. Now, as I said, that now with the offense, Dak's turnovers was a killer. Dak not being able to move the ball efficiently was a killer. Because those, I believe, were the bigger problems in the offense than... Really, we're not running the ball and give the defense a break. Because when Dak throws pick sixes or throws an interception right after the defense just forced a punt, I think that's what's tiring out the defense because they have to consistently go back. Not because we're not running the ball, because we're, you know, more of a passing team. The passing game is being helped because of the rushing game. And that's where I kind of had the problem with Mike McCarthy's statement that, well, we need to run the ball to give the defense rest. I completely agree. But when you are... Basically, top six in the NFL in rushing attempts, what more do you want? Like, what more do you want? And the other five teams that were above us didn't make the playoffs. I believe it was the Bears, uh, the Titans, and I can't, I'm blanking on the other three. But they none of them made the playoffs, but the Cowboys made it in, uh, being six. So that's what I have to say about that. Next up, the Cowboys are sold on Max Duggan? So... As I said, the NFL Combine just passed this past weekend, and Max Duggan was uh, talking to the press about you know who he's talked to, and the Dallas Cowboys have come up a lot. I believe he kept saying that, like, yeah, I've talked to the personnel person. I haven't talked to uh, Mike McCarthy yet or Jerry Jones, but you know, high praises from Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones going into the Combine. I know Jerry Jones said that he liked Max Duggan in the Senior Bowl, so... I think that they're possibly sold on him. I really do. Just because they're he's the only quarterback I really hear, at least out of, you know, Cowboys, like, insiders and stuff like that, of who they're really trying to get. Because I believe there was one story that they may go get CJ, but that's not doesn't make any sense to go, go trade up that much draft capital for a quarterback you're not even going to use yet. So might as well just draft one later. And there's just been so much talk and hype around uh, Max Duggan So, I think the Cowboys are really, truly sold on him. Unless they may want to go another direction if Max isn't available 
And I, I think they're going to get him in the third round. I really don't see him going second. Just because I think there's other issues that we need to tackle. Like either wide receiver or cornerback or possibly linebacker. Because we're probably going to lose Leighton Vanderish pretty soon. Or whatever else we may need. So I think there, there's bigger things to tackle in the draft. Compared to getting a quarterback super early in the round. And another big thing we have to keep in mind here is that Cooper Rush is up for free agency this year. And I don't believe he signed a deal to come back yet. So, and I know there's been some talks that, well, Cooper Rush could probably go start somewhere else. I, I don't know about that. I am i don't know. Cooper Rush did great, but he was also in the system for five years. And he had a really good defense to work with. So, I think that that's a little bit of something we need to keep into consideration. But he is a free agent. There has been no news of him resigning. And now that Tony Pollard got the franchise tag, I'm not really sure what they're going to do about that. So... It's going to be interesting, but I, I think they're completely sold on Max Duggan. I think they've seen enough this past season. You know, as I said earlier, he threw 32 touchdowns. He, you know, single-handedly carried TCU to the championship. You know, they had a great year, especially this story. You know, his story was crazy and incredible. He had a heart issue. He uh, lost a starting job, came back, and then took TCU to the championship game. So I think that they're they're pretty sold on him. I think that... You know, Max is going to be a cowboy. I know he says that that would make be that would be so great for him, just because you know he you know he's in, he was in Fort Worth for a while. He literally just has to go up about like forty minutes heading north to the Star and meeting the Jones family. So I think that's where we're going quarterback wise. If we're going to go into the draft looking for one, I think Max Duggan is going to become a, a cowboy. Either him or Henderson from Tennessee, but I don't believe there's been a lot of talk about Henderson. So I think Max Duggan is going to be a Dallas Cowboy. And another thing that's going on in Cowboys news is that Stephen Jones has been hinting that there's something big on the way. Now, two things this might be. I believe this is going to be two things. It's either going to be Jalen Ramsey, who um, I believe the Rams are about to trade soon, and they're looking for people that may want him. Or it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Because... I believe those are the two main important things that we're going to need. I know there have been talks about Odell Beckham, and I would like Odell Beckham. But the reality that is kind of the problem here is that Odell Beckham has been hurt. He has not been as consistent. You know, He's older, and compared to DeAndre Hopkins, I would rather have DeAndre Hopkins because he's a lot younger, he is healthier, and he can, he can make it work with CeeDee Lamb, like 100%. The only thing is that I know he's going to want money. He's going to want a lot of it. And especially if Mike is about to be up for contract, CeeDee Lamb's about to be up for contract, and all these other players you're probably going to have to pay before they may want to ship out, you got to keep that in mind. So so it's a lot of speculation if it's going to be Jalen or it's going to be DeAndre. I think it's going to be more Jalen just because I think he's a little bit probably easier to get just because he may want some money but he may not want a lot like not a lot of it but compared to DeAndre Hopkins and what he may ask for I think that that's a little bit more doable with Jalen and as I said earlier in this podcast uh, a couple episodes ago that that's our biggest concern is that aside of Trayvon Diggs we do not have a a great second corner and I talked to somebody about this in a Twitter space uh this past weekend and they were saying like well what about Bland I like Bland but when they put him out there outside corner he wasn't great he just wasn't he's a great nickel corner you put him at nickel he's gonna be great you know he can you know he can lock down the slot receivers but you put him up against outside receivers that are high talent he's not gonna last 
Kelvin Joseph was not the answer either. And Anthony Brown going down, and I thought Anthony Brown was the weaker of the safe, of the secondary. He went down, and that that side of the field was just targeted. So I think if we're going to aim for anybody in this quote-unquote big news coming thing, it's going to be Jalen Jalen Ramsey. And we'll just have to wait and see uh, what's going to happen with him. Now, moving on to the NFL offseason. There has been a lot of stuff that's happened in the past couple days. If you guys have been keeping up with my Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter feed, it's been going nuts with all these different players getting all these kinds of deals and what's going on. So to start off with the obvious, Derek Carr has been signed by the New Orleans Saints. Congratulations to Derek Carr. He got signed for four-year, $160 million uh, deal. I believe they said that's supposed to help a little bit with the salary cap, so that way they don't you know, completely break the bank. So... Great for him. I'm very happy, and definitely compared to like compared to the quarterbacks that they have right now. When uh, Jameis Winston was healthy, I mean he was okay, but you know he wasn't like that taking the next step quarterback. Andy Dalton's old, you know he's an older quarterback. You know he, his best years are way behind him in in Cincinnati. So getting Derek Carr to help that offense is definitely gonna be a scent of fresh air for the New Orleans Saints, and I think New Orleans Saints fans should be happy. You know, I know he didn't have a great season, but he was also in one of the most dysfunctional organizations known as the Las Vegas Raiders. And what's going on with them? And, you know, benching him for Jared Stidham and just the craziness that was going on with that organization this past season and just in general. So with that, Derek Carr coming to New Orleans is probably, I don't know if it's going to save the Saints, but they're definitely going to be an improvement. He's by far the best quarterback in the NFC South compared to who he has. So Hands down, he's the he's the best quarterback in that division, and the division's wide open now that Tom Brady's gone. That this division is just wide open for anyone to take, and I'm not sure what the other teams' plans for quarterback is. I know the Falcons are probably just gonna go with Desmond Ritter and see what he can do, especially since they just released Marcus Mariota. I think Tampa Bay is gonna go with Kyle Trask. I think they should maybe go look for a quarterback and see what they can do there. And I believe the Panthers are either going to go with Sam Darnold or Matt Corral. I think a lot of people are thinking it's going to be Matt Corral just because Sam Darnold is up for free agency, I believe. So it's going to be interesting. But congratulations to the Saints. You just got a really good quarterback in Derek Carr. And we'll have to see how you guys are going to do this season. Next up, Tony Pollard got the franchise tag. That's right, Cowboys fans. Tony Pollard is back. Our best rusher rushed for over 1,000 yards this past season with nine touchdowns. I'm I'm excited, and I know that was kind of like one of my biggest things this offseason was to try to get Tony Pollard back and try to restructure Zeke's contract. I know he said that he's willing to take a pay cut if it's going to help the salary cap. I think that they're working on it with Dak to give him a, an extension, but like to kind of spread out the money so that way they can make it work salary cap-wise to bring whoever they want in. But the biggest thing, I think, with the franchise tag is that now that he has it, I think Dalton Schultz is going to go. Just because we already franchise tagged Dalton, I don't know if we will be able to afford franchise either franchise tagging him again or giving him some sort of deal. Unless he takes, you know, so, like a very low paying deal, which I highly doubt because I'm sure there's going to be other NFL teams that want him. So I think there might be this might be a little bit of a, of a double edged sword. Just because we get Tony Pollard, but we are going to lose our tight end, but. Ferguson looked pretty promising uh, during the season and Hendershot. So that's definitely going to be an interesting matchup to see. But Tony Pollard is back in the Dallas Cowboys helmet until we figure out a long-term deal. But either way, 
I think it's a win because I know he was one of the biggest things, uh, biggest players that was talked about that he may leave, that he might be, or he will be available for free agency. And I know there's a lot of teams that need running backs right now. So I definitely think that's awesome for the Dallas Cowboys. Next up, biggest news of today. Biggest news. Lamar Jackson, quarterback, former MVP, won a playoff game. Probably the best thing going for the Baltimore Ravens was franchise tag. I have a big problem with this. I really do. Now he got no, he got a non-exclusive franchise tag. So what that means is that he can still go talk to other teams. He can, and either the Ravens can either match their price or trade. I believe first two uh, two first round picks of the draft this year, or however they want to work it. I think that's a mistake because there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to pay a lot of money for Lamar. And the Baltimore Ravens are not going to fork up the money. I think that this is probably the best option for both parties. I think the Baltimore Ravens know that they're probably not going to give them a ton of money, and they're going to see. They're going to. I think they're just trying to see. Okay, well, what is other teams going to give them? Because if they are, if they're going to give them realistic money, then they'll sign him and see what they can go from there. But if they're not going to give them realistic money, then I don't. I don't recommend it. But they would get some kind of assets out of Lamar Jackson. So. I don't I just don't like it. I think they should have just gave him the money. Now, I do agree that maybe the money he wanted, Lamar, and what they want to do was completely off. I think they were off by like a hundred million dollars. And that's probably like, okay, dude, we can't do that because then we literally cannot bring anybody in to help you and you cannot complain. And I do agree, like if obviously you're giving him a lot of money, you gotta be able to understand that we gotta bring in players to work with you. And not everyone's gonna take a hometown discount for you. So with that in mind, I think at least business-wise, I understand why they don't want to give him all that money, but they got to give him something, you know, especially being the biggest relevancy of that team, quarterback-wise, you know, like I said earlier, wanted uh, an MVP. This past season when he got injured and never came back, that team was not the same. So I, I just don't, I don't understand why the, the Ravens just don't give him something, but I guess it's, you know, business is business at the end of the day. So I think this is a big mistake in my opinion, that they should have gave him his contract and gone from there. All right, so next up, another big thing that hit today's news, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has agreed to an extension with the Giants for four-year, $160 million. I said it last week. I don't think he's worth that much money. I really don't. I believe it's about... 40 year uh 40 million a year with I think it was I forgot how much guaranteed money but it's quite a bit and Saquon Barkley compared got franchise tagged I don't agree with it Saquon Barkley should have got a contract I don't think Daniel Jones should have gotten the contract I'm gonna revert back to the notes uh from last week's episode Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley passed for over 8,000 yards without Saquon Barkley he only threw for 30 for well, not bad, not 30, 3,000 yards. So with Saquon, 8,000 yards. I apologize if I butched that earlier. 8,000 yards with Saquon, 3,000 without. Kind of night and day, don't you think? And that's like that's my biggest thing right now, is that he needs Saquon, and if Saquon goes, after either after this year, after the franchise, after the franchise tag is over, I believe he's a non-exclusive franchise tag, so it's kind of the same, legit, uh, same thing, same kind of deal with Lamar Jackson that he can go talk to other teams and the Giants can figure out if they want to match the pay or trade him away. 
I think that's an idiotic move. I think that if they want to realistically keep both of them, Daniel Jones should have took a less of a pay, he should have took more of a pay cut and give Saquon Barkley the money and go from there and then figure out the receiver situation. Because I know that was a lot of people, what they were telling me was that, well, Daniel Jones doesn't have a good wide receiver. And you're right. He didn't have a good uh, good wide receiver, but he was still making it work. Because when Saquon was there, he still threw for 8,000 yards. He made it work somehow when Saquon was there. Without Saquon, they could not move the ball. So that's just my, my opinion on it, and I digress of everything on what the statement is. The, I think the Giants made a mistake giving Daniel Jones all that kind of money and franchise tagging Saquon. Saquon's going to get paid by somebody. And if it's not going to be the Giants, it's going to be somebody else. So with that in mind, I, I don't know, Giants fans. Hope, I mean, hopefully the growth of Daniel Jones does keep going. Hopefully this isn't just like a Carson Wentz season where he had one, you know, one better year or one really good, or one good year and then it was never that great again. And, you know, and that would have been a waste of money for the Giants. And now they're stuck with a quarterback that they cannot move on from. Next up, Geno Smith got an extension as well. Three-year, $105 million. Congratulations, Geno. Now, what does this mean for Seattle? They don't have to worry about their quarterback situation. They were able to come to terms with the comeback player of the year quarterback. And he did well for Seattle. It wasn't like he did, you know, poorly. You know, he got them to the playoffs, which is phenomenal. And especially going up against that really tough uh, San Francisco team in the NFC West. You know, he was able to somehow still squeeze into the wild card. Especially because a lot of people thought they were going to tank this year. And I thought so too. I thought they were going to do really bad. Put in Drew Locke. And try to get the first, uh, for the number one overall pick in the draft. And try to get Bryce Young or CJ. But that's not what happened. And they end up doing a lot better than what most people thought they were going to do. And, my, and I agree. They did really great, and I think he's earned that money. I, and I think that's a little bit more of a of a better deal, in my opinion, three years, 105. And plus, they can always try to, you know, if he doesn't work out next year, they can. I think that's a little bit more doable to move on from Geno Smith if the situation arrives. But uh, with all that said, congratulations to Seattle and congratulations to Geno Smith on getting your contract so last thing for the episode and for the nfl offseason king henry derrick henry from the tennessee titans only great thing about that offense possibly gonna get traded i don't like it i just don't understand it why would the tennessee titans want to trade derrick henry their only good side of offense this past year the only good thing, Ryan Tannehill got hurt and he wasn't the greatest. Malik Willis was not good. Dobbs did okay. They don't have a number one wide receiver. The offensive line is now shaky and they just cut uh, uh, one, of their best, one of their best offensive linemen. And now they want to trade Derrick Henry. I believe in the combine they were talking shop on who wants Derrick Henry. Who wants, to, who wants him? And I think that's very concerning if you are a Tennessee Titans fan because he is the only good thing going on about that offense. If they trade... Derrick Henry away. I'm sorry, but the Titans are, are not going to be good in the AFC South. They're not going to be good. They're not. Because Derrick Henry is the workhorse of that team. And if they trade him away to a possibly strong team and they just got Derrick Henry, it, it's it's not going to be good. And the Titans are going to probably tank. I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with this decision just because, you know... 
Derrick Henry, you know, has made a staple for himself. He became great in Tennessee. And I believe and I believe he's a good selling point if you want to get free agents to come play with Derrick Henry, especially if you want O linemen coming in or if you want wide receivers that could possibly get open. That's another great uh great addition to have on top of some firepower. What they really need is probably a consistent quarterback and probably some wide receivers to get the game going. But they do not need to get rid of Derrick Henry. And the crazy part is, is that I know there's going to be a lot of people that will give up a King's Ransom for King Henry. And I don't, and I'm scared to know who's that going to be. I know a couple names popped up. The Eagles, because Miles Sanders is going, but I don't think because they like Gainwell. The Buffalo Bills need a running back. They definitely need a running back. So that's another team. Tampa Bay, they're going to release Le- uh, Leonard Fournette when, uh, I believe, when later on this uh, year in June, they're going to release him. Carolina, if they don't, if they don't feel comfortable with Hubbard and uh, the other running back, they can always go get Derrick Henry. And if the Eagles get Derrick Henry, like I have no hope in the NFC East. Like I just don't because there's no way we can compete with that. Now, realistically, do I think they'll get Derrick Henry? No, because they're gonna probably want to pay Jalen Hurts pretty soon. AJ Brown is probably gonna get a big contract. I'm sure Devontae Smith's gonna get something. And then if they want to figure out the whole defense, and especially since they're losing key people in their defense, I would not recommend going to get Derrick Henry because Gainwell was pretty productive unless, you know, they don't know about Gainwell, which I highly doubt because I believe they talked highly of Gainwell. The Bills definitely need it because that's the one biggest thing that I believe that they're missing because Josh Allen is great. Their passing attack is, is phenomenal. Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, you name it. But their running game was not great. The, their running game was Josh Allen. Josh Allen was the focal point of that offense. He was thrower, ball carrier. Yeah, all, he, he wore a lot of hats in that offense. So I think that if they get Derrick Henry, that's definitely going to help. And that's probably going to make them very dangerous in the AFC playoff race. Especially against for against going up against Kansas City and uh, Cincinnati. That's going to be really tough to beat. But already, guys, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Now, this will be on YouTube, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So make sure you guys check that out. And if you missed any other episodes, make sure you guys head there to listen to any of them. And I am on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, at CAV Sports or at CAV Sports Podcast. But thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll catch you at the next episode.